Welcome everyone to the Florida Gators football podcast. I am Josh Whitaker and we are talking everything Gators football here. Thanks for giving us a listen. This is our first season doing the podcast so if you like what you hear go ahead and give us a like and a subscribe. We truly love talking ball with Gator fans and your support really helps. So let's get into it. On Saturday, the Gators get a huge rivalry win over the Tennessee Volunteers in the Swamp, 29-16. to And let me tell you, the Swamp was rocking. We'll talk what this means to the Gators, that defensive performance, the offense performance, and uh, we'll go into a Charlotte preview as well. Not quite as in-depth as... We did last week for the Volunteers uh, just because of the opponent, but uh, we will certainly get into some of the finer details on that. So, big win for the Gators, 29-16 Saturday night, national television, Swamp 12th largest fan turnout ever. Uh, That is really one of the the greatest atmospheres I've ever been a part of in the swamp, and the fans certainly made it known that uh, you know we are certainly supporting their team. Billy Napier even commented in his post game press conference and his Monday press conference about how important the crowd noise was in the game. The Tennessee Volunteers here have ten. Penalties, 79 yards, most of them procedure penalties. Um, That is really something special to be able to affect an offense like that. So, really good. Let's go through some of the stats here. Like we said, 29-16, to the Gators miss an extra point, a field goal, go for two and do not get it. So, the score could be a little bit different. But that's where we're at, 29-16. to 16. Go through the team stats here. Gators with 21 first downs, 7 of 14 on third down. Tale of two halves, though, here really is first half, you're looking at 7 of 8 on third down efficiency, which is fantastic. So 7 of 14 throughout the whole game, meaning they didn't, get it going as well in the second half as they really should have or could have. Billy Napier commented on the press conference about being very laid back and uh, not pushing the envelope in the second half. I think he he wanted to preserve that lead they had. So a little different tactic in the second half as the first half. Total yards, 349, passing 166, rushing 183, most of that from Trevor Etienne, who had a phenomenal game. We'll get into that in a minute. Penalties, 5 of 30, much cleaner. We'll talk about that a little later, too. 5 of 30 is much improved compared to where we were at Utah. Tennessee stats, they have 17 first downs, 8 of 15 on third down efficiency. That was 2 of 5 in the first half really shut that offense down, especially in the first half. A powerful offense that can score in a hurry. Passing 287, rushing a 100. And this was a Tennessee team that really prides themselves on how they rush the football. So to get the 
hundred yards of rushing total is really, really impressive for this young, young defense. Penalties, 10 of 79. Really good job by Gator Nation there on uh, affecting the quarterback and the, that offensive line. They, like the Gators, use the clap, and we've seen that not bode well when you get some crowd noise behind it. One turnover, Gators finally get their first turnover of the season on an interception by Devin Moore. Almost returned, really good pressure up front, right? That's uh, not necessarily on the secondary, although it was covered well. The, the front four gets that pressure, a, a straight front four blitz, no, no linebacker. Uh, they did drop somebody in coverage there and get pressure, a holding around the side and get big uh, Des Watson with the pressure on Joe Milton there to cause that. So let's get into what does this mean for the Gators. This was by far a huge recruiting win. I'm sitting five rows up from the recruits, and that place was packed with recruits. Some of the best recruits, too. You saw DJ Lagway, our five-star quarterback coming in. Uh, LJ McCray, who's our next target. We're trying to flip. We're trying to get get coming coming to the Gators. He was there. Some big, big names coming. A lot of 2025 guys did get a, a commit from this weekend as well. Uh, so what else does it mean for us? Gators you know, seemingly cleaned up most of their unforced errors that we saw at Utah you know, Billy says he, he this is all correctable. We wanted to wait and see. It does appear that they're they're playing a lot cleaner football on both sides of the ball. So really a, a program building win here. Uh something Billy kind of needed in year two. Really happy that he got it. Uh really good game plan, really good performance, execution by everybody involved. So Let's talk about that defense, though, because they were the stars of the show. First half performance was truly special. One of the better performances I've seen from a Gators defense in a long time. They held Tennessee to 122 total yards, 30 yards of rushing in the first half. Like I said, a team that prides itself on their rushing of the football. And that that uh, back they have, uh, Jalen Wright, Really a special back. Held him to 16 carries, 63 yards, a long of 12. Uh, and most of that is in the second half. I've already said it once, two of five on third down in the first half. Really impressive. Even more impressive than the third down was the fourth down play in the second half. 0 for 3 for Tennessee. Those are turnovers on downs. And that's getting the ball back to the offense, just chewing that clock. Really, really special stuff from the defense. To let you know how good Tennessee was coming into this game, they were averaging 49 points per game and only scored 16 Saturday night. You cannot mention the defense without saying something about Scooby Williams. Truly had his best game as a Gator. You're talking about some really flying around on the defense. Jordan Castell, 10 tackles, 4 solo. Scooby Williams, 8. Total tackles, six solo, one tackle for loss on a fourth down. Uh, Cam Jackson had his coming out party, six tackles, five solo. 
Princely Unman Mielen, four tackles, two solo, half of a tackle for loss. Jason Marshall had that one touchdown early in the game, had a decent game though, three total tackles, two solo. Shamar James not having a ton of tackles, only three total tackles this game, but he is the leader of that defense. He is the guy that's stepping up and making uh, making the calls on defense. And you could tell this this defense was prepared. They had watched their film and they were ready to go. But Scooby Williams, unbelievable game. He's truly flying around. He looks faster. He looks better. He looks better prepared. He looks confident. And that's uh, helping the, the Gator defense a ton. Jordan Castell, a freshman. This could be one of the better freshman safeties in the country. And was a four-star recruit for Billy Napier. Kind of under the radar. Really, really stepping up for the Gators and uh, making some noise there. We knew that the secondary was going to be tested here, but they really weathered the storm and you know give up the touchdown early on Jason Marshall. And until probably late in the third quarter, don't give up another touchdown. You get Brew McCoy has the touchdown late, but uh, outside of that, really weathered the storm. Didn't let the any big plays really get them down. Just really impressive play from them. We talked about it in the last podcast was that they still had a tendency of the lineup late. They had that. They were lining up on time. I don't want to say they had it fixed, but they they were lining up better, getting the play calls in early until late in the third quarter. You see them line up late. They're running people off, subbing in and out when Tennessee didn't sub. And that was exploited by Tennessee. They get a playoff. Luckily, we end up stopping it, so they only get five yards. The next play, we do the same thing, and they throw the touchdown to Brew McCoy. That was the only spot in the the game where I thought the coaching staff could have done a better job. Outside of that, it was truly a perfect game plan from the defensive staff. seemed like they simplified it a little bit, uh, had a plan for what we were going to put in the box, knew their formations really well, had those covered up, ran a lot of man coverage. Uh, So simplifying, I think we're still getting um, into our comfort zone, right, on defense, really doing some special stuff. But there's no doubt Austin Armstrong has this defense playing so well. They're disciplined. They communicate well. They're tackling so much better than they did in 2022. And now that has them as a top 10 defense in the NCAA. So overall, there's just not much more you could say about the defense. They're playing phenomenal, and hopefully they keep it up because the offense, which we'll go into now, struggled in the second half. But that, you know, that's going to be the the thing that carries this football team is going to be the defense. So getting into the offensive performance, the Gators' run game was effective, especially in the first half. Third down performance, much improved, 7 of 8 in the first half. Time of possession was a huge factor. We kind of knew that the Gators would try to control the time of possession, first off because keeping the defense off the field was going to be our best way of stopping Tennessee from scoring. But uh, we know Tennessee can score quickly, And so you've got to give your defense some time to breathe. You've got to give them that rest time on the sideline. Uh, So having the ball and having a good, effective run game was the only way we were going to win this game. 
And so time of possession was huge in the first half, and it gives the offense time to let ETN pick his spots, and, and he truly ran wild. ETN runs for 23 carries, 172 yards and a touchdown. He had that long one of 62 in the first half. Second drive, actually, after we miss a field goal, Tennessee runs down the field very quickly and scores. We run a 62-yard run that just ignited the fans and got the game going in the, the right direction for the Gators. After that, they had momentum, and they really didn't relinquish it until late in the fourth when Tennessee starts moving the football pretty good. Um, up until that point, Gators really handled the entire game. I, I, um, I dare I say domination. I mean, they dominated both lines of scrimmage, which made for an effective run game. So ETN, fantastic game. He is explosive. He he ran wild. Uh, don't forget about Montrell, though. Montrell Johnson, still a dynamic back for the Gators. He only had 12 carries for 23 yards and a long of five, but he had two touchdowns in this game, and both of them had phenomenal moves. Just just two cutbacks. His vision is so good. And this two-headed monster of Trevor Etienne and Montrell Johnson is, I, I, I think, one of the better in the country. So I, those two cuts that, that Montrell Johnson made were NFL-type cuts to evade the defenders. That's really special stuff. So we've talked about the run game. Graham Mertz, though. Interesting day for him. Really, really efficient. 19 to 24, 166 yards and a touchdown. Not a ton of yards. Everything's short. It's within, you know, 8 to 10 yards uh, of the, the line of scrimmage. But he is just not missing. He was so accurate. I, there were two third down throws he had on the sideline that extended, extended uh, drives that are perfect. On the money. Beautiful throws. Uh, but you could definitely see the game plan was dedicate to the run game that was the goal the whole time they were not going away from that and they sprinkled in the pass when they had to on third longs but really good play from Graham Mertz got exactly what you needed to out of Graham Mertz he needed to manage the game don't turn the ball over make smart decisions get us in and out of the right plays you saw him audible a couple times into some good run plays really good stuff you could tell he he was coached up for this game as well one of the things I thought we can do a little better job on in the past game was our screen game. Ricky Pearsall specifically, we ran a similar screen play from both sides uh, where we put Ricky in motion towards the uh, the line, uh, towards the quarterback, and snap the ball. He he goes right at the line of scrimmage, and they, they try to catch him where the blocks are running out to seal, and he kind of dives underneath them. And it, it gets a little too clunky. First off, because by the second half, Tennessee is gearing up to stop the run. So they've got eight, nine, ten guys at the line of scrimmage. They're just cutting those screen game that screen game off. But there's something timing-wise they need to work on there. It just seems like it's it's jumbled and just bunched up uh, in into the line of scrimmage, right into the teeth of the defense. I think they they'd be better off by playing it a little wider. Maybe don't put Ricky in motion which would help them get the play a little wider get it away from the teeth of the defense and, and let him have a little bit of room to run 
Uh, the running back check down depth, I think, was a little better. They were catching Tennessee in the zone uh, defense, so they're able to, you know, have a little bit of running room. But better teams are, you know, going to run a man scheme and have that linebacker closer to the line of scrimmage and cut those down. So I think we need to work on that still. Didn't use a ton of the running back checkdowns, though. I thought that later in the second half where we were struggling a little bit, there were some opportunities for it. You know, if you're going to gain four or five yards on that play, it's better than just sitting there and throwing it away or something. So maybe something like that. I still saw a lot of bunch sets at the line of scrimmage, especially with the defense they were playing, where they're crowding the line of scrimmage trying to stop the run. I thought in the second half, if we had just spread them out, you could have still run a similar run play. But if you're going to spread the defense out some, get some of those cornerbacks and safeties away from the line of scrimmage, make them commit to the run, and you might get some one-on-one looks, which would allow us to take those shots over the top. But we we still tend to bunch up, run 11 and 12 man personnel, getting those tight ends tucked in, and and you're just you're putting a lot of lot of stuff in the front of uh of the line of scrimmage, uh, you know, of the offensive line. So, but overall, really phenomenal running day. Uh, slowed down in the second half, but really good good effort out of Graham Mertz. Really good game plan. Trevor Etienne and Montreal Johnson really play in a, a beautiful uh, run game there. Offensive line really getting physical, uh, doing some pretty special things. You saw Trey Wilson get involved early in the game, and he gets hurt, but he gets like five of the f- first six plays go to him. You could tell he was going to be a big part of the game plan, and then losing him, we didn't really have an answer for who was going to replace him. It wasn't like Ricky Pearsall stepped in. Uh, so they just kind of abandoned that part of the, the game, uh, which is probably fine. I think that was just an effort to get the speed run game on the edges where and let uh, Trevor and Montrell kind of pound the middle. Uh, so we'll see uh, how long Trey Wilson's going to be out and go from there. Hopefully we can get him back and get that, that side um, sideline running game back a little bit. So on to the Charlotte preview, right? Uh, Charlotte 49ers football program, for those that don't know, actually represent the University of North Carolina at Charlotte. They play in the American Athletic Conference with teams like USF, Memphis, Tulane, and UAB. They're currently 1-2, and two, uh, so not a great record, but they do seem to present some issues at the quarterback position with the quarterback run game. And so I don't think they're the they're the pushover that we would hope for in the mid mid uh, season game like this, but I still think the Gators win big here. And so instead of giving you the keys to stopping Charlotte or the keys to beating Sh- Charlotte, I want to talk more about what I'd like to see out of the Gators. What are the things that they need to do this game that maybe last season they didn't do after these wins? And so first first point here is no letdown game. We cannot come out flat in this game. It's a 7 p.m. kick in the swamp. We need to come out ready to go with a lot of energy and put it to this team quickly. We cannot let them hang around like we might have in the past with the USFs of the world last year. And so I think sometimes, though, after a big emotional victory like Tennessee was, it's hard to get up for these types of games. And so I put it on Billy to really get this team going. Uh, Based on what he's saying, 
he's talked a lot about it of how they didn't handle the momentum last year well. So I'm hoping that this year this team uh, understands, hey, this is what we did bad last year. So let's change it and make a change and, and try to do some better things. Because obviously Charlotte, I don't believe, poses much of a threat to us. But next week after Charlotte is Kentucky, and they do. They're going to have a legitimate defense. They always have a good game plan against Florida. And we need to be ready to go. We need to get some good reps in this game for some guys that don't always play to build some of that backup depth. But we you know, need the mindset to be right for this game. So the other things I'd like to see was progress in the passing game. I'd like to see us extend our passing game beyond the line of scrimmage, push it a little bit further down the field. Obviously, still don't want to push things into bad coverage, but we need to at least allow our guys to get downfield and try to create some separation so we can get this pass game going. I think we're going to need it later in the season against some of these tougher opponents. And so this is a perfect opportunity against a live defense to practice this stuff. And so I'd like to see us push it, maybe not down the field. I don't I don't necessarily care about over the top as much as the, the intermediate passing game, the 10 to 15-yard game where, hey, you've got a third, nine, third, and 10. And, okay, I've got a couple play calls and a couple route combinations I feel comfortable about, and let's go get it. Uh, and we're not so uneasy on our third and tens when we're just running base curls seven yards down the field and, and getting tackled short of the uh, line to gain. So one other thing I'd like to see from the defense, they did a good job at times against Tennessee. I'd like to see us get after the quarterback and get pressure on the quarterback with four pass rushers. Doesn't always have to just be a defensive line. I don't mind if we bring a linebacker and drop a defensive lineman in a coverage, but I'd like to see us get pressure on the quarterback with four pass rushers. That way we still have our linebackers in play to make a tackle on a draw play or the crossers. You know, I, I'd just like to see us continue that uh, moving forward. So on to the prediction. Obviously, I've already said it. I predict a big win for the Gators against Charlotte. Again, an overmatched opponent that we just need to play Gator football and continue doing the the consistent things that we need to do to progress this season. So I think uh, if we listen to what Billy's got to say, uh, he seems to be preaching the right things. Uh, let's hope that the team buys in like we've uh, been told they are and continue progressing well. Guys, that is all we have for this Gators podcast. I appreciate you listening in. This is Josh Whitaker. Thank you very much.